Welcome to the True Masculine Project. My name is Eric. I'm your host and fellow student on the path of masculinity. On this show, we will discuss personal development and masculine principles so we can be the best men that we can be. If you are new to the show, welcome, and you may want to head on over to the intro episode. Uh, describes the format and a little bit more about what we want to cover here. And for the rest of us, on to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the show. Uh, today we are at part three of the Iron John uh, sort of book club which is what uh, the last few episodes have turned into and what the next few future episodes will turn into as well. Uh, however, like I said, Iron John, a book about men by Robert Bly sort of uh, does a really good breakdown of what I feel like sort of happened with men in our society, uh, what the ramifications of the changes of just general uh, working environments, people not parenting correctly, and then just sort of the cascade of problems that have uh, come from that and offer some solutions about what we can do. I also like just the Iron John story in general because uh, the human mind is able to convert things from stories into lessons for themselves a bit easier than if you just sat down and told somebody. Uh, fun fact, that's why superhero movies or any movie that follows the hero's journey uh, tend to be popular like Star Wars. Anyway, to just sort of do a brief recap, of last week's episode talked about um, what the trauma um, of the boy's finger getting pinched when he let Iron John out of the cage meant. Uh, his first day or so at the at the forest when he decided to go off with Iron John, the importance of initiation in the old world when it came to teaching boys one a little bit more of the spiritual aspects of being an adult, uh, the culture of those societies, but two the um, how to live with and um, adjust to the traumas that we can deal with in our own lives and then taking those skills which they would teach them by giving them a new wound um, i'm not sure if like i said in the previous episode if we actually need to go through that part but the understanding of thoughts and feelings that can occur from wounds and how to adjust to be a healthy member of society is important in any case let's uh continue the story here and we'll talk about some new things. The story at the start of the second day. Early the next morning, the boy sat again at the spring watching over it. His finger still hurt, and after a while, he ran his hand through his hair. One hair, alas, came loose from his head and fell into the spring. He immediately reached down to pull it out, but the hair had already turned to gold. The moment Iron John returned, he knew what had happened. You let a hair fall into the spring said Iron John. I'll allow it this time, but if it happens a third time, it will dishonor the spring and you will not be able to stay here any longer. Now, as we mentioned before, hair is linked to sexual energy, spontaneity, the hunting, hunting instinct. Um, remember the Iron John tale is fairly old and how males provided uh, just in a tribal uh, fashion was the majority hunting or fishing some sort of uh, meat animal you know husbandry fierceness and the willingness to explore or push boundaries now with the hair turning gold the store is trying to say that these are all good instincts to have gold in historical aspects has been linked to longevity a it has a sort of everlasting quality um, cultures across as long as we have written history for, have valued gold. 
So whenever a story uses gold as a color, it is trying to convey a level of importance. You can look at how some of these traits are repressed in young boys, um, especially in Western society. And, and frankly, sexuality is probably repressed across both sexes and not just boys. Uh, however, this show is dedicated towards men. So, man, I'm talking to us. But uh, a lot of these things that people may think as being bad or unnecessary and not understanding that the reason why we're able to live this way is just through sort of an evolution and you haven't always been able to go to the grocery store to buy things somebody had to go out and get it and in fact someone is still killing those animals most people just don't see it but even on lesser traits like let's just say spontaneity all of these things are sort of beaten out of children and maybe not always uh, literally but the school system does a good job of churning out people who will make good workers. Now, uh, I'm not saying the ability to work and get along in a job is bad. Obviously, we all need to be able to provide. But to lose all connection to spontaneity, uh, any sort of sexual energy, obviously, all of these any, or fierceness, or willingness to explore or push boundaries is going to be bad. You're not going to go after the things that you want in life. And funnily enough, the people who maintain these, uh, the ability to think in a new way, willingness to ask for what they want, tend to be the ones who get what they want. And people who don't ask what they want tend to end up with nothing. You just can't assume that people are going to know what you need. As they say, closed mouths do not get fed. But that's not what they teach you growing up. You're just supposed to, uh, like, you just absorb all of this conditioning. And then to really get anything done in your life, you tend to have to break out of those things. The time in the forest is also important to note, as the boy is learning the, dis the difference between secular or worldly space and a ritual or a private space. The, um, it's how some things take quiet dedication and persistence over a long period of time to really get anything done and that certain tasks should be approached with a sense of reverence for what you are doing, um, the skill that you are expressing and the gift that you are giving to the world. Anyway, as we return to the story here, the boy has had two days of tasks and on both days he has let something fall into the spring. Uh, so what do you think is going to happen on day three? Well, let's find out. On the third day, as the boy sat by the spring, he was determined, no matter how much the finger hurt him, not to let it move. Time passed slowly, and he began gazing at his face in the water. He got the desire to look straight into his own eyes, and in doing this, he leaned over farther and farther. All at once, his longer hair fell over his forehead and into the water. He threw his head back, but now all of the hair on his head had turned to gold and shined like the sun. Now the boy was frightened. He took out his kerchief and covered his head so that the wild man wouldn't know what happened. However, when Iron John returned home, he knew immediately. Take that kerchief off your head, he said. The golden hair came tumbling down around the boy's shoulders as he sat there silently. Now, in the book, Robert Bly takes a moment here to speak about what the old initiators called the shadow man or the shadow self. Uh, that feeling you get when you look at your eyes in the mirror. 
uh, you know that it's you, but it also feels like there's that you are looking at something and not just staring at your own eyes into the mirror. Um, if you've never just looked at your own eyes for an extended period of time in the mirror, you should try it out. Uh, see what sort of feelings you get from that. Um, now, this is pretty interesting, a little outside of the scope um, about what I wanted to cover in the episode. But let's just say that the the understanding that people tend to be more than just physical beings, that that there's a, a, a higher need for something more than just protection, uh, you know, shelter from rain, clothing, and sex, that, that uh, those things are important in life, but that you need more than that to give back to your community, some sort of fulfillment, to chase a dream, to really feel good about what you're doing. Just meeting your base needs for most people is not going to be enough for them to feel good about their lives. In the story, we can assume that the boy is still young to have golden hair, and we'll get into a little bit more about what a golden head means um, instead of just having one particular golden hair. Uh, but because that's because he tries to hide it. If he was an adult at this time, um, he wouldn't feel the need to to hide his talents, his gifts that he had received. But because he is a boy, and only three days have passed here, um, he doesn't feel it's proper, or there's some sort of shame attached to his initial instincts. Remember what we talked about, about what some of the hair meant, uh, sexuality, trusting of instincts, the hunting, in, the hunting instinct, uh, the willingness to protect, explore, and push boundaries. For the record, this, is, this happens over three days in the story. For real, most real life people are not getting this sort of one-on-one -on -one instruction about the deeper meanings of life uh, over a three-day period. You might pick up uh, a piece here and a piece there from a mentor, someone that you look up to. Um, and this may happen over like a 10 to, let's say, 15 to 20 year period or so. Let's also notice that he was given a task three times by the initiator. And although he fails each time, uh, he receives a gift anyway. Now, this is about not having to be perfect as nothing in life is perfect and no one is perfect, but the willingness to do something new, the ability to try to take on the task is the most important part. Because once you take on that task, you'll receive new knowledge and from there that you can make a new decision. Uh, deciding to do nothing is still making a choice. It is the worst choice because you're just not getting any new data and time just keeps passing. So you get older, but not any wiser. It's also important to know that the failure rose from his pain and the human inability to keep attention on one thing. Not that he was lacking in any particular skill, but just part of the basics. We don't keep attention on one thing long enough. We flutter about um, just dabbling in a bunch of different things and nothing moves, especially if you're starting from zero without an intense level of focus and willingness to do just this one thing and to try really hard at just this one thing until you are sure that it does not work. And just to uh, retouch on the pain aspect again, the finger pain represents human traumas that we all live through. Because we're all traumatized, some of us go through different coping mechanisms. But it's important to note that the way you choose to deal with what has happened to you um, is not a part of you. It is just a, a way for you to just keep going to get along. And at some point, you can remove those things that you are not um, a victim. You may have been victimized, but you are not a victim and that you don't need to continue to carry those coping behaviors with you uh, for your entire life. At any point, you can come to know the wound, as we spoke about the last episode. And although you will live with that, we can never change what happened to you. 
but your behaviors will be different once you have done the emotional work uh, with whatever happened to you. Now, returning to the story, Iron John says to him, you can't stay here any longer because you didn't make it through the trial. Go out into the world now, and there you will learn what poverty is. I see no evil in your heart, however, and I wish you well, so I give you this gift. Whenever you are in trouble, come to the edge of the forest and shout, Iron John, Iron John, and I'll come to the edge of the forest to help you. My power is great, greater than you believe, and I have gold and silver in abundance. Even though he is called the wild man in this story, you can tell by his actions that he is closer to a village elder or a teacher of a meditation retreat. He lives in the wilderness. However, it is clear that he has resources. Um, he doesn't just hunt and fish, but he has money. That the wild man is not a savage, but a mentor to show that manhood is many faceted and not just one thing. To teach the boy that he is more than just a machine for hunting, protection, and reproduction. Now, the boy, um, being a product of many years of evolution, as we all are, inherits both physical and mental gifts from his ancestors. Now, the metaphors in the story are tuned to the psyches of men, as seen by the old initiators. Remember the age of this story, a couple uh, thousand years old. But a young man has tasked with three things. One, to notice, understand, and come to terms with his wounding. Two, to come to understand that you will have more needs than just the physical. And three, to see the intelligence in how nature functions. Once a young man has completed these three things, his hair turns gold. Now that doesn't mean that he's uh, solved all his problems or he'll never have to worry about anything again. But uh, this does mean that he has been given new tools and gifts to deal with things that come along later in life. Okay, and since we're about to enter a new section of the story, I think it's important to sort of summarize the boy's progress so far. So the king's son, which means he most likely lived a life of luxury prior to going into the forest with the wild man, and following the wild man hasn't fallen into delinquency, drug addiction, or self-shaming, but instead has been lifted up to what is great about him. It's like if uh, when you were young, if you had an adult really notice a talent that you had and nurtured it, uh, you tend to lean into that because you want more of that recognition. He also learns to trust his instinctual body, represented by his hair, and developed a respect for the workings of nature. Um, I just kind of want to take a side sequitur here that the trust of the instinctual body is important. Uh, so many people will get a gut feeling and ignore it because they want to spend so much time analyzing things in their heads. Uh, don't get me wrong, as someone who spends a lot of time in his head, that analyzing things are important. But you can't let overanalyzing uh, analysis paralysis get you stuck in never taking any action at all. No plan survives contact with the enemy. Uh, you can't think your way through an entire process because you don't really know all the variables until you get to acting. Now, in the boy's case in the story, he receives all of these lessons early in life, which the old initiators believed without having to really struggle or work towards these things could cause the boy to have delusions of grandeur or just an unnecessary feeling of being better than everyone else. Um, now, this is dangerous because the addiction to grandeur uh, can cause you not to look at your failures or your life in an objective manner, being unable or unwilling to accept 
um, actual limitations, not fake mental limitations, not things placed upon you either A, by yourself or B, by someone who may or may not have known better, but real limitations that we can come upon in life, like the laws of physics, for instance. Okay, so in the next section, we start to break down the traits of these sort of men and women that Robert Bly calls grandiose ascenders, people who are unwilling to accept the everyday feelings of life, how sometimes things can and will be boring. Uh, sometimes you have to get up and push that fucking boulder up the hill every day, only to have to get up the next day and push that same fucking boulder. People who cling to spiritual teachings but refuse to come back to everyday life and apply those teachings. Not to say to learn these lessons are wrong, just that, uh, like everything, they need to be properly integrated into your day-to-day. Um, in the older days, they wouldn't even teach people about these concepts until later in life as a way of avoiding encouraging people living their life in that manner. It was often said that the early years of a man's life were for him to learn a trade, pick up a skill, practice that skill, and learn how to move and be one with his body and not spend so much time thinking. Now, the scarcity of the European Middle Ages didn't re really allow for that type of feeling to be fostered in boys just due to the hard nature of life. Uh, pretty much everybody worked from the get-go, and unless you just happened to be born into the aristocracy, uh, shit was hard, and there was no real upward movement, right? Whatever you were born as, you most likely died as. However, um, many lives of people born in Western societies know no such thing. Um, a lot of us live lives of abundance and entitlement, which uh, obviously place much fewer limitations on our lives than on uh, lives of dudes growing up in the Middle Ages. And for many college students, the term necessity or needs only is a foreign concept. So they haven't really had to deal with any sort of struggles. Things are just sort of given to them. And their concept of reality is going to be warped because things they, ha they have not dealt with struggle. So the boy in the story is at his moment of ascension, right? Like, I guess he's coming to of age now that he spent a few days with the wild man, uh, learning the truths about life that many people are not given uh, so freely and having before that, before that lived a pretty privileged life. Uh, I would say that for a lot of men who struggle, they have led similar lives to the lives of this king and say hello to Bernie if you heard him shaking just now. What Robert Bly believes to be the major traits of these ascenders, people unwilling to look at their lives objectively and disgust, are passivity, naivete, and numbness. Um, and today we'll cover uh, passivity. So remember that in older days, men and women admired men of action. That if men hunted well, maintained guard, and explored the area around the village, that the village itself would flourish. Men have been loved for their initiative, doing what hasn't been done before, and, and engaging with the animals of the wilds. Uh, with those tasks no longer being necessary for most men to perform, there is a general state of passivity that has taken hold of most men. Uh, the types of men that just go along to get along and make good workers. As mentioned before, not saying you shouldn't be able to function in a society, as we all had to be able to provide for ourselves. However, this has gone too far and people are far too passive. Just floating through life and not truly living. Just dreaming of things they could do without ever really trying. Offering nothing to their romantic partners out of fear of offending them by not being the nice guy. Or just lacking the energy uh, to be truly engaging in the relationship. 
things like carrying a conversation and actually listening, uh, doing things to keep romance alive, the occasional gift, planning dates, flowers. All of these things require initiative or the exact opposite of what a passive man does. Maggie Scarf remarks in Intimate Partners that three quarters of American marriages follow a curious scenario. The woman wants more intimacy and the man flees from that. She runs after, but not fat, but not quite fast enough to catch him, and he flees, but not quite fast enough to get away. Uh, the passive man never says what he wants and leaves his woman to guess. Uh, Robert Bly states that the passive man may skip over parenting. Uh, parenting means feeling, but it also means doing all sorts of boring tasks, picking people up from schools, setting and enforcing boundaries, buying clothes, checking on your child's friends, actually being engaged in your child's life. Uh, things that a passive man will not do. Um, and finally, a woman does not want a man to tell her what to do, but does want you to say something if it appears that outside forces have turned her away from a fruitful decision or act. Uh, Sarah does this uh, for me. I do this for Sarah. And frankly, um, I wouldn't want to be in a long term relationship with someone who would not be willing to tell me that, hey, man, you over here fucking up like obviously don't say it exactly like that unless it's how you guys communicate to each other but the point is is that when you see a spouse or someone that you care about uh letting things slip and not because they decided that it was bad for them but because uh you know they, they're feeling scared or something that's not really consequential that should be stopping them from making that move and they aren't making it if you're not willing to say something probably have a problem in that relationship and just like in the 48 laws of power Everyone favors the bold. No one favors the timid. So even if you act and get something wrong, people will respect it more than if you just sat in the corner and did nothing out of worry for offending people all the time. And then, of course, once you decide to make an action, you need to commit to that action with boldness. No half-stepping. So uh, we'll return to the story for next week. We'll cover naivete as well as uh, a, a level of numbness that the ascender, the person who's not engaged with their life, uh, sort of the traits of this person, what this person is like. Uh, frankly, um, depending on what your father was like, traits that your father probably possessed and then probably passed down to you just based on the way that dudes have been living their lives. And this level of disconnection is what creates the level of discontent that we see um, in societies today. Because uh, when dudes are not happy, they go to search for ways to make themselves happy. Uh, you end up coming across shit like the Proud Boys, which is something I rail on. Uh, not just because of shit's in the news, but because I think men easily form groups. And then these groups, uh, because you feel good rallying together with other dudes, start to spread this message. Well, if your message is stupid, then you get a bunch of people doing stupid shit. When really what you were looking for is something much older and not some hateful ideology that is a uh, sort of clapback at uh, some of the shit that you see being talked about masculinity when really they're just talking about boys behaving badly. But when you find someone who's willing to stand up and he just happens to be an ass and he can rally a lot of people because he's a, char a charismatic ass, uh, you end up with the sort of problems that we see here. So we'll, we'll leave off with that today. Uh, we'll resume next week. And until then, I love you guys. Be good to each other. And I'll see you soon. Thank you for hanging out with me on the True Masculine Project. Please like, rate, and subscribe in your favorite podcasting app. Uh, if you want to interact with the show, you can catch us on Instagram at 
true, T-R-U-E-M-P underscore podcast. See you next time.